This is Jim Hughes with Afio Now. I have another very interesting guest for today. Um, his name is Larry Loftus. Larry actually appeared at one of our last in-person lunches here in Washington a year or so ago when he presented his uh, spy thriller about a British spy during World War II uh, named Codename Elise. Larry's got a new book coming out, and he's back today to tell us all about his new book. Larry, welcome to Athia Now. Thanks, Jim. Larry, um, what's the title of your book, and what's it about? The title of the book is, and my agent actually came up with the title, is The Princess Spy. And it's about a woman named Aline Griffith, who was a what we would call a normal person. She was a, a woman that grew up in um, a small town just outside of Manhattan, Pearl River. And she, after she graduated from college, she wanted to, this is right before the war, she, she wanted to um, do something fun, but she wasn't quite sure what she wanted. And the war breaks out and she wants to join the war, but she can't because she's a, you know, she just graduated young woman from college. She ends up modeling. She takes a modeling job. She's a beautiful woman. So she ends up modeling, she's tall, uh, brunette for probably the most famous modeling agency at the time in Manhattan, Hattie Carnegie Agency. Lucille Ball actually started there, and she was very good at it. And so she was a runway model and did the normal things that that, that life does. And then, um, but she has a longing to get into the war because the war had broken out and both of her brothers had joined the war. And she's, you know, a young woman, she can't be a soldier, she can't be a sailor. And so she's longing to do something for the war effort. She ends up going to a dinner party. Uh, it was a blind date. Well, it turns out that the her blind date happened to be someone who was working for the OSS. And so he talks to her and hears all this business about, well, I'd love to do something in the war, but I'm a woman and... You know, I really can't do anything, but my brothers are in the war and I really want to help. And so he just starts asking her questions. Um, do you speak any languages? She's like, yeah, I, I, I speak Spanish and, and I'm fairly, you know, I have a working knowledge of French. And he's like, OK, uh, why do you want to get into the war? So he basically starts interviewing at this dinner party. And long story short, he's impressed with her. And figures, you know, we we may have a he doesn't tell her anything. He doesn't tell her who he is. But he says, you know, I may be able to help you. I know somebody and this somebody, um, he might be able to get you something to do with the war effort. He doesn't explain anything. He says, you know, if you get a call by a gentleman by the name of Mr. Tomlinson, then um, that's what it'll be about. He'll he'll want to talk to you. So about a week and a half goes by. The OSS starts investigating the family. Uh, the FBI does, actually. And so they check their family and the uh, FBI contacts their bank. and They do all this background check and they pass. So she gets a call from this Mr. Tomlinson one one day and he says, can you meet me at this um, at this hotel at six o'clock tomorrow? And so she does. And it's very mysterious, and she doesn't know who he is. He doesn't even say his name when he greets her. He's, he, he tells her when they were on the phone, I'm going to have a white carnation on. And he recruits her, and uh, she has no idea what who he represents. And he says, um, okay, let's. you need to be at this station. Come to um, – and he gives her another another hotel. You need to be at the 
at the uh, hotel, you know, in five days and don't tell your parents, uh, bring uh, several changes of clothes, but take out all the labels. Well, he's sending her to the farm, what was called the farms, the 100 acre place uh, just out of just outside of D.C. where they where they trained all the operatives for the OSS. And so she goes there really not knowing what this is all about, other than it's something for the war effort. And uh, so she goes through all the it's a three week training at the farm. And they eventually tell her, by the way, you're being trained to be a spy. She's like a spy. Really? <laughs> and so she goes through all of the same training that the British had done. I remember the British are several years ahead of us in the war. So they've already with the S with their SOE, which is codenamed Lease is about. I can see that behind you. Aileen Griffith uh, or Odette Sansom and the gentleman from my first book, Dusko Popoff and Into the Lion's Mouth, who's an MI6 agent, they were all trained by the same man, William Fairbairn, who is the father of uh, hand-to-hand combat, close combat, um, and the creator of the famous Fairbairn Sykes fighting knife. He was a legend already. So the Americans borrowed him to set up the same training. So they would fire every weapon. They would fire pistols. Rifles, machine guns. Uh, Aileen is firing a Tommy gun. Uh, they would learn how to knife fight. <laughs> they would learn how to make a knife with a newspaper. Uh, firing at night, changing all the, the, the uh, assembling the weapons at night, blindfolded, all that stuff. Um, and so she's trained for three weeks, and she's sent to Madrid to be an operator uh, for the OSS. And by the way, the training. Um, I, I've seen the schedule from the OSS records. All of the OSS files are at National Archives, too, uh, in College Park, Maryland. And so I've seen all of her files and everyone that was in the SOE Madrid office. And I actually found a, uh, a copy of the knife that she was trained on by William Fairbairn. This is the famous Fairbairn Sykes fighting knife which is an unbelievable dagger meant to do one thing, and that's the knife fight and or kill, which is still used today by uh, special forces around the world. And if you just say Fairbairn Sykes fighting knife, anybody that's been a Navy SEAL or in Delta Force or any other type of uh, special forces, they're going to know what this knife was, and they may have carried this knife. Anyway, she was trained on this knife, um, and you will see this knife if you watch the famous movie where Eagles Dare with Clint Eastwood, when he takes out the uh, the German sentry in that movie, he's doing it with that very knife in the very manner prescribed by William Fairbairn. So anyway, Aileen has all of this training, trained to kill, if you will, and and she really becomes what what we would know as a female James Bond. I mean, she really did. I mean, all the things that Ian Fleming learned when when he was tracking Popoff, who was the basis for his model for Bond. Uh, all the things that he learned about the OSS and the, the SOE and the MI6, those character traits that he puts, the watches pop off and sees pop off in Lisbon and all those traits, he creates his character, James Bond. Well, Lean was the female version of that, trained by the same man that had trained pop off, uh, all of the same guns, all of the same weapons. Uh, she's in, 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 Ian Fleming's book, he says the Bond speaks three languages. He's very articulate. He's handsome, all that. She was the female version. She spoke um, two language, conversant in a third. She was uh, very attractive. She was a professional model. She was sophisticated. She was articulate. She could blend in at any cocktail party. So 
She goes there with the cover of working for the American Oil Commission because we had worked out this deal with Franco where we would help Spain with oil. We would sell them oil as long as none of it went to Germany. And so we have to send an agency that would make sure that no oil ended up going to the Germans. And that oil commission was a legitimate entity. And so Aileen went as a staff person, that's her cover as a staff person for the oil commission. But her real job, what she was really going to do was to be a coder for the OSS, to code incoming telegrams into Madrid. Madrid and Lisbon, as you probably know, and most of the people watching know, Madrid and Lisbon were the two hubs of espionage because Spain and Portugal were neutral. So the biggest of the two, the larger of the two is Madrid. The Gestapo is all over that place. The German SD, foreign intelligence is all over that place. And so it was the hub. It was really the main hub of espionage. So she's going into into the thick of it. And she is to she is to code incoming and outgoing coded messages. Uh, it might be someone reporting from France that they there were troop movements. The Germans were moving Panzers to this area. All that information came in on a daily basis by uh, people in the French resistance, people crossing the Pyrenees. And so it was very valuable information because once the OSS gets it, then they've got to get it out. You know, get it out to the British, get it out to the Americans. Um, the commanders in the field. So it was crucial information. So she does this and she's on call all night. I mean, it, it might be a, something that telegram comes in at three o'clock in the morning. Somebody's got to handle it. And she and one other gentleman, Robert Dunev, were the main two coders, the, the two most important coders. And one of them would be on call all night. So she does that for about a year and they realize she's really talented. And they just sense that she could do more than just being in the coding room. So they turn her loose as a field agent. So they turned her supervisor, James McMillan, has seen her uh, for about a year. And and another gentleman there by by the name of Larry Mellon, Larry Mellon's his full name from the Mellon family. Uh, they they've noticed that she's really good. She's really talented. So they send her out as a field agent. So she has her day job coding and decoding. And sometimes at night. But then she's expected to go out and go to parties and get information and meet dignitaries and meet high level uh, people on all sides, Germans, Austrians, Spanish, Americans, uh, some of whom were suspected suspected spies. The OSS had a, 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 she worked for secret intelligence and there was another branch in in Madrid called X2. X2 was was their counterintelligence. And so X2 had files on people they suspected as Nazis. Uh, for example, a famous woman who became a very famous model uh, later, um, Gloria von Furstenberg, who eventually marries uh, Lowell Guinness. So she became Gloria Guinness. But she was one of the most beautiful people in the world. And she was suspected as as a Nazi uh, agent. And so Aileen has to infiltrate all these high level parties to meet these people, to talk to these people, to to check them out. She goes to to vents all she goes to bullfights she goes to cocktail parties she goes to receptions she goes to um uh things that ambassadors might have and and i i don't want to spoil anything but a lot happens i mean she there are people that that she uncovers uh and it's flamenco was a big deal and flamenco and bullfight are the two spanish great traditions so she had to essentially become an expert in both, kind of like Hemingway did when he was there in the 30s. 
and and so she had to go to the bullfights. In fact, she learned how to bullfight and was even turned loose with a bull in one. That's another story that's that's in the book. Uh, but all of that happens during her time there, um, and she's a fabulous agent. She's hooked up with another incredibly uh, – I don't even know how to describe this guy Ed, – Edmundo LaSalle. He was Mexican but had gone to school at Cal Berkeley, was thinking about getting a Ph.D. there, was recruited to D.C., uh, goes to Columbia for a while – uh, obviously speaks Spanish as, as his first language, but he ends up becoming an agent as well. She's kind of paired with him as his as his partner. You know, when you go out at night, you typically want to go out with as a couple. And he's this incredibly gregarious, brilliant, uh, never met a stranger type person with his gregarious personality. Um, and his cover was for Disney World. He actually. Uh, had a contract with Disney because he had, he had worked for Disney. He had, he had a little interim job for a while in D.C. where he was doing work with Disney as a client. And so it was the perfect cover. So none other than Roy Disney. You have Walt Disney, the founder, and then his brother, Roy. Roy Disney actually negotiated the deal with Edmundo LaSalle to, to work for them um, and signed the contract. This is Roy Disney. And so you have this guy who his real cover – and his real job. See, Disney wanted actual work. They were all they were all for yeah. We'll help the war effort. We'll 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 assist the the OSS in this. But we actually want him to do some work because we want to get films into Spain and Portugal. So Edmundo LaSalle becomes the the Disney person representing the Iberian Peninsula, and so they they actually have actual work for him. They want him doing media, and in fact, I include some of this in the book uh, where he shows up in the Madrid media. And of course, no one knows that his real job is as an OSS agent. And so the OSS reimburse Disney pays him, but the OSS reimburses every penny under the, you know, under the counter, under the table. They're reimbursing Disney. Well, Aileen and Edmundo sort of pair to go out to the parties and go to the events. And they they are just it's it's a dream, it's a dream couple between the two personalities, and, and they go everywhere. Uh, in fact, they're paired particularly on a very important project called Safe Haven. At the near the end of the war, uh, both uh, stolen goods like paintings and things that the Nazis had stolen or bought at a song in in France and Belgium and places like that. That loot, that booty was they had to get out of the country, and so it would go. They wanted to get it to Argentina or to Latin America, so it, the, the the conduit was Spain. So everything would go through Spain. Well, the same thing was true for Nazi fugitives, war criminals who can read the handwriting on the wall. We're losing the war. We've got to get out of Dodge, and so they want to get out. And of course, again, the conduit is going to be through Spain. So safe haven was to uncover the the projects very. The State Department uh, ran it, and it was a very important and very valuable project because we have to capture all this money, all this loot, all these war criminals, all these paintings, bank accounts, all of that, some of it which you know came through Switzerland. All It was a massive project. In fact, they sent Edmundo to London for about a week to get training just on how to chase all this. So he comes back. So he and Aileen were tasked to do this, and I've seen all the memos that – that uh, Aileen filed more memos. She was maybe the most important agent in Madrid, 59 reports she files. 
uh, about people that they suspected, about stuff that was going places, bank accounts. They found secret money that was being funneled into Portugal. All this is going on, um, of course, behind the scenes. So that's in a nutshell what she does. And then in, in the midst of all the espionage under you know separate story, Elaine single. And and she meets this most unbelievable man. She she's because she's American because she's beautiful. She's a hit everywhere she goes. And there was a there was a bullfighter, a famous bullfighter, who fell in love with her, chased her everywhere, sent her flowers all the time, chocolates. And Aileen knew that he could introduce her to any to anybody uh, at all because he's a celebrity, he's a star. I mean, just think of like a, a Tom Brady, you know, for us. That's your that's your good buddy. Well, he he knows everybody. So the bullfighter would introduce her to different people that she wanted to meet. Um, and then she would, she also met Mana Lee, who was another, maybe the, one of the top three greatest bullfighters ever. So she's friends with them. That's part of her blending in to, uh, you know, to, to, to get to the right sources. So all of this, while all of this is taking place, she also meets this very attractive, very sharp man. She doesn't know who he is. Well, he's the the at the at the time, I guess, is Count of Velios, I believe he was, but he becomes the Count of Romanones, one of the most famous men. That family is the most famous family in Spain, kind of like it's not a perfect analogy, maybe like the Kennedys here, but they're famous. And and he also happens to be one of the wealthiest men in Spain. So this family, uh, the his grandfather, Luis uh, Luis um, uh, Figueroa was his name. His grandfather had been the prime minister of Spain three times, and he was he was uh, King Alfonso's principal advisor when he advised. This is before the Spanish Civil War. He's the one that advised the king to abdicate the throne, and so forth. So this is a very famous family uh, from the grandfather down. And Aileen has no idea other than this is a wonderful man. He's very sharp. He's very attractive. He seems to be interested in me, and they hit it off. So they fall in love. So while you have all this espionage and stuff going on that she's doing her day job, you've got their romance as an undercurrent that's happening at the same time. And sometimes they go to events where she needs to play both cards. She goes to a what's called a tienta, a testing of the bulls, with Luis, and Manolite is there, this famous bullfighter. And so Manolite wants to talk to her about bullfighting and get her in the ring, which he does. Uh, I won't spoil it. But uh, in part, she says, I went out there. I, I wanted to impress uh, Luis because, you know, the, no one thinks an American would go out there and, 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 and don a cape. So anyway, uh, that romance, that love story goes throughout at the same time that the espionage is going on. And about the time the war ends, it, it intersects where they fall in love and, and, and they want to get married. And, and so they do. They eventually get married. And that's how she becomes. And you see the, the, the subtitle here is the true story, uh, the true story, World War II surveilling Griffith, Countess of Romanones. So she becomes the Countess of Romanones um, uh, when, when Luis becomes the Count of Romanones because it's going you know, down the generation, down the line. So that's the that's the story in a nutshell. Larry, that is a fascinating story, and your enthusiasm uh, is infectious. Where did you find the most useful material uh, as you were doing your research? The best place, and I'm glad you asked. The, 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 there are two main places where I sort of live. In fact, I have in 
I have in front of me my my, my notes from from one of them when I was there. This is this is Aileen's. Um, the two places are the National Archives here and the National Archives in the UK. So, for example, the codename Leaf Book behind you, her files were in the UK at the National Archives Q. The Popoff book, he worked for MI6 and the FBI, so he has files in both places, uh, Q, National Archives UK, and National Archives US. And Aileen was an American. She was an OSS agent. So her files uh, were in the OSS files at the National Archives, uh, at, at National Archives 2 in College Park, Maryland. In fact, that's, so these were, you, know, you probably can't see it, but on here, there's a, there's a little seal. They have to, you can't take anything into the room where all the files are. I mean, anything. You can't take a briefcase in. You can't take a pencil in. You can't take a pen in. Uh, so if you want to bring, well, look, I have to know what files to pull. They will stamp the piece of paper and clear it as you go through two security checks at the top and bottom. I mean, it's it, Fort Knox has nothing on these people at National Archives because it's tough to get in there. You go through security three times. Uh, but anyway, so that's where the, the files are. So I went through uh, four. I spent four days there from open to close. Uh, so I saw all of the OSS files for Aileen, for Edmundo LaSalle that I talked about, for Robert Dunev, her partner in the coding room, for all the people that worked in the Madrid office, for all the X2 files, for people like Gloria von Furstenberg. It's a treasure trove. I mean, there's thousands. And so I spent four days nonstop from open to close. Uh, and then I, and then it, so that's the main source or the, the, uh, the best primary source is always the actual reports, the actual. So in the book, uh, I'll show some places where this is the actual, um, report that she filed. Uh, her code name was Butch. Uh, in fact, because my last book was named Codename Lease, I had suggested to my agent, well, what, since that was called Codename Lease, why don't we call this one Codename Butch? And he said, um, I don't think so. That <laughs> that doesn't sound like a very exciting name for a beautiful, you know, model that was this, you know, female James Bond. That doesn't sound good. So he's the one that actually came up my age. Said, no, why don't we go with the Princess Spy? And I said, bingo, that sounds good. So the other place, um, and, and she did some memoirs which were highly fictionalized, but she did a couple of books that were nonfiction and she did a report, basically, it was essentially it was a report or a small article for uh, the National Archives in a book that came out in 1992, where they just had a number of former OSS agents basically give us a, like a five-page article on what you did or what happened in your office. So she wrote for, for Spain, um, and, and that was nonfiction and accurate. And then... There were the books by and about other agents, like there's, uh, I've got all of this stuff for uh, Edmundo LaSalle that came through his uh, son-in-law. And then I got, uh, Robert Dunev has two sons. This was Aileen's partner in the coding room. Um, he, his two sons um, actually told me about, Michael and Peter, they told me about, hey, our father, wrote a memoir, not not to be published. It was just for the family. It was about 100 pages. It was just for the family. He just knew before I die, I want my kids to know what happened and what I did. So he did his own memoir called The Spy Reminisces and never published. Well, they sent it to me and it's fabulous. So he talks about things that, you know, that they did. And, and one of the things that I have to look for is confirmation. Not everything is in the OS files. There are things that never get reported. 
uh, and they never get put in reports so they don't end up in the OSIS file. One of those was uh, a murder. <laughs> and so I wanted to confirm, and I don't want to spoil it, but I'll just say I wanted to confirm a particular murder that happened. And Robert Dunev confirmed it because in his memoir, which he wrote, you know, 20 years ago for his family, 30 years ago for his family, never to be published. There's a line in, in there that says, yeah, which reminds me of the night that I removed the, the, the dead body from Elaine's apartment. So I'm like, bingo, there's my there's my confirmation. It, it really did happen. So I won't spoil. You have to read the book to find out who was murdered and why and how and how it ended up to be in Elaine's apartment and all that. But uh, so that's how I got all the information from the National Archives is the number one place. And then from the primary sources coming from um, Aileen or the people that uh, were around her uh, in the Madrid office. Larry, what did Aileen do after World War II? So after the war, she gets married. Uh, in fact, this this was a, 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 a kind of a sore spot with her because the man she marries, Luis Figueroa, who becomes the Count of Romanones, he she she feels like before we get married, I have to tell you something, dear. I was a spy. I was a spy for the Americans, and she's like, he he, he was like, what? She was, I, I, that's why I'm here. That's why I came to Madrid. I was a spy. He's like, get out of here. Come on, forget that. You were, don't pull my leg. So uh, she never gets into it after that. He kind of blew her off. So after the war, the, Truman decides, the war ends, um, you know, May 8th in, in Europe. And so Truman decides, President Truman decides, we don't need foreign intelligence. I'm closing down the OSS. So the OSS is closed down while she and the others are in the Madrid office. Their clo the closing date was um, August 15, 1945. Everybody's to be the, out, out of the office. No more funding. You're not getting paid anymore. We're going to ship you home. And that's it. She had uh, accrued vacation time. She said, can I stay here? You know, she's thinking of Louis. I, I, Louis, I want to spend time with my, my fiance. So she doesn't leave at the time because she has accrued vacation uh, that she uses to stay there, uh, pay that's coming in. Uh, and that covers her, you know, covers all of her expenses and pays her apartment, everything. And she gets approval to stay there for a couple of months. Well, lo and behold, which virtually no one knows, um, Aileen gets a call, and, and I'll just say this book opens <laughs> not with Aileen, it opens with a, a very mysterious man named Frank Ryan, and that is the person who, who that's the dinner party guy, that's the, the guy that met her at the dinner party that didn't say who he worked for or anything, just says, I know someone. Well, he ends up being essentially her case officer from Washington, a uh, very mysterious man, a perfect spy master. Who was absolutely brilliant. He started the book starts off in Lisbon, actually, with him. Um, and so he she gets word we have to be out of here. Everybody's leaving. She's like, okay, I'll stay for an extra two months with this accrued vacation time. And then I'll have to leave and I'll have to deal with what I'm gonna do with with my, you know, with my, my fiance over here. Well, this man, Frank Ryan, calls her. And the reason he calls her, he doesn't give her the details. Lo and behold, Two weeks after the OSS falls. So now there's no foreign intelligence. So all of the intelligence people on both sides of the Atlantic, the British and the Americans, know, what do you mean, President Truman, that we're just not going to be foreign intelligence? We have to have foreign intelligence. What do we do with our people? What do we do with our files? What do we, how do we get information? 
you know, we've got Russia over here that's about to become our enemy. We, you know, we can't give that up. So the intelligence people know that. Two weeks, two weeks after the OSS folds on August 15, a little company is formed. It's called the American British Canadian Corporation. That entity is not incorporated in New York City, as you would expect. It's headquartered in New York City, but it's not incorporated in New York City. Where is it incorporated? In Panama, not not Panama City, Florida, the country Panama. My background is as a corporate lawyer, and I can tell you the only reason that you is to keep something out of the public eye to keep it secret. That's why you incorporate in different places in other countries. So it's incorporated in Panama, uh, headquartered in New York. Well, who were the players? Who who did this? Well, let's see. The the founders, the board of directors, were number one. The OSS head, William William Donovan, General William Donovan. And then on the British side, William Stevenson, who some people, if you've studied World War II, know that's Intrepid. He was codenamed Intrepid, who ran the British Security Corporation, which is the MI6 um, MI6 in operating in the United States and Canada. Uh, he's Canadian. So those two are the principal founders. And then you have who, who's going to run it. And then you, there were a number of others. There was a uh, Hambro, Charles Hambro, who ran SOE, which is the agency that Aileen worked for. I'm sorry, that um, Odette Sanson worked for the SOE. So he ran that. So you have all the top heads from from the, from the spy agencies. John Pepper, who Popoff had mentioned in his book, John Pepper is an MI6 agent. Uh, these are the founding people. Oh, and then it's uh, they bring in Larry Mellon not to be on the board, but they need Mellon. They need the Mellon money to fund it. So the Mellon family essentially provides the funding for this. Uh, and who's to run it? Well, none other than this man that we've been talking about, Frank Ryan. Frank Ryan's going to run it. So all of these intelligence people create this entity in Panama to be operated in New York, uh, to be headquartered in New York City, to operate where? Well, basically everywhere OSS had an office, you know, in Madrid, in Lisbon, in Prague, uh, in, in in Paris, in all these places. So Frank Ryan starts tapping people to run different offices. Well, he's tapping OSS agents. So he taps Aileen to run the Madrid office. Now, he can't give her all the details. He doesn't tell her about the name of the she just he he shows up, you know, he tells her, hey, I need to talk to you because she says, hey, I have to leave. I'm getting married. You know, I'm 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 quitting and I'm getting married and that's going to be the end of it. And he's like, we need you. So he flies to Spain, goes to Madrid, knocks on her door and says, look, we need you. I need you to do this, this and this. So long story short, he recruits her as he does agents in other countries. Now. Formally, and, and in the book, you'll see I've got the actual articles in the New York Times. This is all under the cover. This is under the radar because uh, is it a spy agency? Well, it's all the people running it are from the OSS or the BSC or MI6. It's supposed to be an international trade agency, and they're supposed to foster trade between the countries that were really hurting after the war, like Belgium and, 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 and the Netherlands and France and all of those countries in Central Europe, uh, Central and, and Western Europe, that we're worried that the Russians are going to maybe take them over uh, with communism. So the ostensible purpose of the company was to foster trade, which they actually did. 
But if you look at their roster of who the board is, who the people that are behind it, who the agents are and the different offices, none of those people have any experience in international trade, not one. So was it a trade organization or was it an espionage organization? I'll let the reader decide that when they read the book. But what does Aileen do after the war? So she's recruited by Frank Warren to work for this entity. It becomes, they change the name uh, uh, about a year and a half later to World Commerce. It's called the World Commerce Corporation. So when you see the article in the New York Times, it's just World Commerce Corporation set to foster international trade. And that'll give you the history of all of the people that are running it or what uh, the background of Ryan or Donovan or Stevens or any of that. None of that's in the. So she works for them and then uh, opens the Madrid office, goes to Paris to help open the Paris office. And then he's about to send her to Prague to open the Prague office. And she says, Frank, I'm getting married. I'm sorry. I have to go. I, you know, I, I love my job and I love you, but I love my, my, you know, my fiance. We want to get married. So she resigns, goes to back to Spain. They get married. Uh, her and Louise get married. And then, but she's very valuable because she's worked not only for the OSS, she's been trained at the farm. She has all this great training. She's been an operative in World War II. She's been an operative in this interim agency. Uh, and then the CIA is formed. CIA is formed about, what, two, little over two years after the OSS closes. So the CIA is formed. World commerce is quietly disbanded, quietly closes, even though it was very profitable. It quietly closes for no apparent reason. Uh, the CIA is formed. So then what she does from that point on is a little bit of a mystery. She says, of course, that, that she was... And I think this is what happened. She she has a life at now as the Countess of Roman Elms. Very important. I and mean, that's essentially royalty, if you will, in, in, in most, you know, in Spain. So she has duties with with that. And, and she's going to raise a family. She gets she has children. Um, but she's very well known. In fact, uh, William Casey, who was the CIA uh, director under Ronald, President Ronald Reagan, was knew her from the OSS. He was an OSS agent at the same time that she was uh, and had crossed paths with, with him in Lisbon. He recruits her for what I guess you would call odd jobs. Aileen, I, you know, I know that you and your husband are going to meet you know, these very high level people in Paris or in Prague or in wherever they're going. And occasionally he said, if you could when you're there, try to find this out, get this information, talk to this person. And so she did that for a number of years. And, and um, Robert Dunef did too. Actually, Robert Dunef, who uh, did not formally work for that interim agency, World Commerce, but his first assignment ends up being in Manila, which Frank Ryan mentions to the New York Times. Oh, and by the way, we've just we're working on opening an office in Manila. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that that was Robert Dunev. So anyway, Dunev ends up working for the CIA as well. He works in Lima uh, and I believe in, in Buenos Aires. So he becomes an agent for them. So Aileen does odd jobs for the CIA in that in that fashion uh, for X number of years, all of which is still classified. I can't get the, the CIA files because they don't release the personal files, as you've mentioned. So uh, anyway, so that's what she did after the war, but goes on to have um, three beautiful children, and they have children. 
in fact, I'll be on the Today Show on we're taping Thursday, and I guess it'll come out the following week. Um, and we're supposed to have on two of her grand, two of Aileen's granddaughters, who are the children of Aileen's oldest son, Alvaro, who is the current Count, Count of Romanones. So the two granddaughters, um, Carla and Christina, are supposed to be on with me for the Today Show. So that will be a lot of fun. Larry, it's a fascinating story. Sounds like a must read. Um, want to wish you all the best luck and thank you very much for appearing on FEO Now. Thank you, Jim. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it.